Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast team. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and direct from New Jersey. Metal Waltz. Good evening, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. As always, new episodes drop every Thursday night. Tonight's episode, we're here to talk with famed vocalist Zach Stevens. Zach's been behind the microphone since the early 90s and is best known as the singer of Sabotage, Circle to Circle, and a member of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Metal Walt navigates this episode, and they're going to talk about the new side project that Zach has called Arch on Angel. They're going to take a walk down heavy metal memory lane. And you know, Metal Walt, he's a huge Sabotage fan. So I'm sure a thing or two may be brought up about the past with that band. That's coming up in just a second. But first, I want to remind you to get up to that MetalMayhemROC.com website, sign up for the newsletter, and join our community. This is our way to, one, give you updates on new episodes, invites to our radio show on Monday nights. But more importantly, as we grow this brand, uh, we have more contests. We're giving away product. When we get freebies, we pass them along. So, like I said, join our community and, um, you know, join the gang. While you're at the website, check out some blogs and CD reviews. Walt's going to shows all the time. Staff reviewer Mark Zagati keeps pumping out those CD reviews. So check that out. And while you're up there, download some past episodes, rate and review, subscribe to the podcast. Last week, we had Norwegian glam band Wigwam. A couple weeks ago before that, we had Nasty Ronnie of Nasty Savage. And at the beginning of the month, we had Legion of Doom. That's that tribute band to the late Eric Wagner. Got, uh, you know, Ron from uh, Trouble, and Carl from Corrosion of Conformity and a couple other guys got together and they're touring this spring and summer with a Doom project called Legions of Doom and they're playing Trouble music and COC music. It's a good one. They're good cats. So that's what we got tonight. Now let's get Walt on the line. Hey, Walt, you there, man? I am here, Verno. So uh, today we talked to Zach Stevens. Um, you know, I had to uh, be careful not to kind of fanboy out because I have been a big follower of his career, especially with Sabotage. But, you know, Zach was here today to talk about uh, the release of his new pro- uh, album from the band Archon Angel. Now, what makes this intriguing is this is another typical album produced on the Italian label Frontiers, where Frontiers looks to kind of copy the signature sound of artists and recreate the sound of the music with like new musicians. So this is another one of them um, where his cast of musicians in Italy created the music. They wanted to ca- capture that essence of sabotage, but in a more modern way. Uh, Zach tells us about the concept of the album, which interestingly enough, his wife is the lyrical writer. So he's the idea guy behind the concept, but he gives the stories to her and she writes the lyrics. 
awesome first part. And then the second part is even better because he really goes deep into the sabotage era. What's to come with the band. And I kind of go head to head with him on my knowledge of the band. And I think I made quite an impression on him, but I may know more about the band than even he does. Yeah. Okay. Well, first and foremost, um, you do your best not to go fanboy, but you did in a great way. And uh, like a good boxing match, the judges gave you the split decision for uh, knowing a little bit more on the history of Sabotage. But hey, that just proves how much of a fan you are. For Metal Walt, I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Zach, it's a real honor to have you on our show. Uh, welcome and congratulations on the uh, the new Archon Angel. Welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is great. I've been following your whole career back to the early 90s when the Edge of Thorns album and I do the tri-state area, Jersey, New York. I don't know if you remember all those awesome shows down at the Birch Hill and Old Bridge. Absolutely, I do. I was at every one of them. So this is like one of those times where it's like, and finally going to get to meet one of those guys and talk to him that I've been following for years. But um, anyway, congratulations Appreciate on the it. new sophomore relief, Archon Angel, pronounced two, correct? That's right, Archon Angel. And you are doing this collaboration with guitarist and producer Aldo Lonobile? Is that how we say his name? Well, it, uh, Lonobile, it would be the Italian pronunciation. Um but it looked, yeah, it looks like that. He's our guitarist oh. and producer, uh, and and that's the same thing as he did on the first album too, called Fallen. Um, so yeah, that's our, you know, he produces several records for Frontiers and things like. He works for with uh, different artists and, you know, does a good bit of work for Frontiers there. I, I'm just one of the bands that he produces there. Um, but yeah, Aldo, okay. he's he's great. How did you get in, involved with him? And I was reading the press notes. It also says you. Uh, you guys have done some work with uh, Timo Tolki, the Finnish musician. So how did this whole collaboration come together? Yeah, that's right. Aldo did produce something for Timo as well. Um, one of the, uh, you know, one of his later albums, I think maybe the last three, um, he's now doesn't go with labels. I know I read something recently with Timo. He um, he doesn't do the labels anymore. He does everything, you know, he self uh, releases everything. But uh, back when he was doing working with labels, he worked with Aldo and Frontiers. Um, yeah, we did a, a, a tune or two. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And that's how we met, uh, you know, him saying, Hey, you want to guest vocal on Timo stuff? And I said, yeah, so good, great stuff. Um, and that's basically how it met, how we started. And then shortly after that, he said, Hey, Frontiers wants me to produce some records with you and let's get a band name and everything. Let's get some stuff rolling. So, you know, we, we got going and my, my wife, who writes the lyrics, you know, for Archangel, she came up with the with the band name. Uh, thought it was interesting. It it's kind of a wild concept, going all the way back to Gnosticism, which is a second century religion uh, that has elements of Christianity and non Christian because it came, you know, it, right after you know the, the in the one thousands A.D. So it's very interesting. And the Archon's role was he's the only guy who can bring the messages of the people of Earth up to the the, the the higher divinities there uh so <laughs> message from the people to the gods so that would be the belief at that time in that ancient religion so i said well that sounds pretty interesting um and there's a little bit of historical you know religious knowledge in there if people want to look it up and whatnot but 
I said, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Uh, let's get a, you know, we've got a concept now. We're going to make it where the stories of the Archon's life are represented in the song. So each song on our two records now is basically a little story within the life of the Archon who has wings and, you know, he's, he's powerful. And, you know, as far as we know, uh, it is fictitious. I have not seen an Archon recently uh, heading to the grocery store or anything like that. So I'm going to say that it's fiction. Uh, so, but anyway, in, in this belief, He's, he's a very powerful figure. So in our story, he comes back to Earth in the modern daytime. So you would see him as real uh, if if the story were to, to be true. Um, but, you know, and, and then helping us through, you know, the, the, the stuff that the world's going through, you know, go, you know, all the different political problems, all the stuff that we see every day that we label problematic. This guy can most likely help us through. Uh, by taking our message to you know to the, his bosses and then try to straighten us all out. So that's kind of like the you know wild concept that it is. But each uh, song represents a story in his life. That's pretty awesome. I uh, really appreciate you illustrating the whole concept of the, uh, the name and the character. And it's uh, you know as we're old school guys like you, we love to dissect the album, the album cover. I was staring at this thing and I'm like, man. Look at this, 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 the art. There's this, you know, big masculine figure. Could have been you from like maybe 20 years ago, you know, and he's winged and he's armed. He's that archangel and he's like standing very regal and he's looking down. And he's got that weapon pointing and yeah. there's the fire and the smoke all around him. So, uh, talk a little bit about the album, but I think it, it, it perfectly illustrates the, the image you're trying to get out of the band name. Yeah. I mean, as far, I mean, we, are we, our artwork, we got, the guy on the first one, and then we, you know, we got the same artist, a dude from Russia, um, as a matter of fact, um, you know, and he, we basically said, hey, you know, just bring us a, you know, a little bit, little bit different, maybe color scheme or whatever on the second one, and just try to, you know, and we give him all the lyrics and, and everything and let him study everything that was happening on the first album. I think he basically, they get this stuff after the fact, you know, everybody's got their job to do, and it's just one single cog in a large machine, and you know, uh, Oleg, uh, is his first name. He reaches out and says, Hey, get me the, you know, the, the lyrics and stuff right before this thing comes out. And that would have been like February, 2020, about a week before the world shut down. That was when our first album came out. So it was like everybody who put an album out in the beginning of 2020 was left in the same position. The world is now closed. Uh, and we'll figure out what we're going to do with the music business at a later time. <laughs> if you guys remember all that. So it was crazy, but he gets that and he goes, wow, that really sets me up good to be able to do the artwork for the second one. So, you know, everybody's on the same page and, you know, it looks great. Um, and we kind of look at that too on the other side and say, Hey, now that we can see this thing brought to life, you know, now, we're going to be able to, you know, get this, get these stories and where, you know, looking at the figure, you can kind of like put a persona to that. And that really kind of, you know, helps my wife, especially with the lyrical, you know, thing, you know, looking at, like you said, the, the powerful person and what would it be like if he came, what would it be like if we, you know, were to, um, you know, walk up on something like that, you know, like it would be like, yeah. you know, a CGI movie or something. I don't even know, but you know, you can, it goes both ways, you know, the, the stuff that can inspire you. It's uh, it's amazing too. We've had uh, a couple other artists on the frontiers uh, come on to our show in the last six months or so, and and again yep. the the art the artistry of the album is so so important, and it's been a constant theme that 
you know, it was the pandemic era and what everybody had to go through. And even John and I, we started this podcast there. I mean, I was your typical guy going out to all the shows. I still do. But he pulled me in and said, hey, we want to start doing something for fun. And and here we are three years later. So it's uh, it's been pretty awesome. But, you know, I've, nice. I've spun the album a couple of times this week because we just got the advanced promo. And it, um, you know, it, it it's amazing how you fronted all those great Sabotage albums. And yet this one, it has elements of Sabotage, but it's got a much more modern, strong sort of power prog feel to it. So... Yeah. You know, in comparison to the first album, is, was there anything you guys set out to do different this time around, or was it just kind of su- follow that same formula? Well, the formula, the basic formula of what uh, we did as far as the process was basically the same. I think it just is, was a little more honed in. Everybody having their role. I mean, we've got various writers. We got Aldo writing most of the the body, you know, of the the compositions of the music. And he gets together um, with, you know, with our keyboardist, Alessandro Del Vecchio, who, who has some input to and does some writing. Me as well, with all the vocal component, the, the vocal melodies and stuff. My wife with the lyrics and uh, Antonio Agate, who is a, also a synth guy who worked with us for some keyboard work. He also writes as well. So, and we got a song, Quicksand, on this record that's contributed by Chris Caffrey. You know, uh, uh, you know, our old friend yeah. and my current bandmate in TSO and Sabotage. Yeah. So that even expanded us a little bit more. So I've always been one to say, hey, I, I kind of like it when we get a little bit broader, you know, expansion of the writers involved because it gives it, it gives you a little bit better outlook, you know, rather than just have one person or two people or you, know, you can kind of get stuck. But with the thing we got going now, we've got input coming from a lot of sources. So that's cool. I. Uh, right away, I could I noticed that it kept everything real fresh. The process uh, is about the same. We're recording, of course. We do a lot of remote stuff. The you know, as far as drums and stuff, that's done in Aldo's studio with Marco, our drummer, and all the guitars are done there. The bass. Uh, I'm about the only one who's shipping in tracks from the United States. You know, I got the studio working here in Columbia that I do everything at. Uh, we did the entire. We we recorded you know every song for this record. And I just kind of send the tracks and say, here you go, use them as is. Just, you know, mix them in, you know, and we work on the mix after the fact. But uh, it works great. You know, everybody's role, everybody got a little more comfortable within the role. You know, everybody, the, from writing to, you know, every piece that everybody does. That, to me, helped. As far as a musical direction, we didn't really have any, you know, meetings saying, hey, we got to do this or that. Or we got it. Some people told me, hey, it sounds heavier and stuff. Yeah. Maybe so, and we didn't have a meeting about that, but we had an abundance of songs, which helped. We had like 16 songs that I think that we had at our disposal, and then we were choosing 11 uh, for this album. So we had five that didn't make the cut. So there's more and more songs that didn't make the cut, and I think that makes uh, for a stronger album when you have, you know, some extra stuff to choose from. Um, And that's probably the main reason it might have gone a little bit heavier. I mean, the first record... It had a little bit more of a prog element, in my opinion, on the album Fallen. Uh, maybe there was three or four songs that were super prog, uh, which is cool because I, you know, I'm interested in messing around with everything. But this one, I think you're probably down to about two that I call traditional, you know, prog type metal. And it, you know, and I guess that lends itself to say that it got a little bit heavier on the fringes. I mean, you got stuff like like that song Lake of Fire on mm-hmm. the new album. 
is an example of what I would call more progressive, you know, a little bit more prog, so to speak. Um, and there's, you know, to me, it, there are a little bit fewer uh, big, you know, turns out to be, I call them like epic production numbers. Uh, That's exactly uh, this, the uh, word I use for that track on the end. Really? Because right? I, I reviewed each track and I'm going to give you my feedback on a lot of the tracks. So I call that okay. one a very epic track. Has okay, a lot of you. contrast, stands out from the rest of the album, extremely melodic, close out the album in a memorable way, soaring vocals. We love this one. So that was my liner notes on that one. Yeah, that's a good one. But let's go back to the, the beginning of the album. So Wake of Emptiness, Wake of Emptiness, right? This one starts off with a soft piano. It builds, you it know. kicks into high gear, really melodic, strong chorus, great album opener. Then you go into Avenging Thanks. the Dragon. Killer song title number one, Killer, killer, heavy riff, and then I love that multi-layer vocal that's just placed in there perfectly. Reminds me of the Thank song Chance, you know, and okay. uh, great killer one-two punch. So talk about those two tracks. Well, yeah, Wake, it's it's a little bit different way to open a record up. I mean, everybody kind of gets used to the, you know, coming out, you know, guns blazing, you know, that kind of song to open up. I mean, but yeah. we, you know, I said, hey, let's do something different because at this stage of my career, I mean, you're looking at, it's been 30 years since Edge of Thor's Sabotage came out. So just to put things in perspective, I've been doing this a long time. So I'm yep. looking to find some different angles. And so I said, yeah, let's start like that, because that really lends itself to the thought process of what's going on here. And it sets the stage, you know, mentally. I think psychologically, that was a good uh, a song to set the stage. And that's pretty much what it did for me. So that's why we said, hey, that could be an opening track. Let's do that. Avenging the Dragon, you're getting a little bit more aggressive. Um, but yeah, cool track. Um, I love doing the layering and stuff like that. I mean, it, we take it, um, you know, I I get it here from different angles. It's funny what I do and going into the studio as far as, you know, vocal process and layering is is uh, kind of just from, you know, for myself. You know, that's kind of the way I do my art, you know, instead of being a painter and painting on a canvas. I'm, I'm, the microphone is my canvas, and that's the way I paint. And that's the way I do my art. I paint with vocals. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I hear sometimes people go, man, you know, the less is more. You know, I think on the Sabotage thing, we often did more, like, less is more, you know, more one lead track, and then let the music and let everything bombastically, you know, blow up behind you. Um, so yeah. I do a lot of that, the harmony stuff, just because I feel like it's appropriate for this. You know, but I do get feedback from both sides. Some people say, hey, I love the layering. And then other people say, hey, it would be, you know, simple is better. I just try to go, you know, kind of like a happy balance. You know, that's all. But I, yeah. I I think those two tracks are good for opening up, definitely. Oh, totally. And then, you know, then you go into Fortress, right? Now, Fortress, if there was FM radio anymore, that one would be all over the radio. I say that all <laughs> the time. I said, Man, I should call my local radio station WDHA out of Cedar Knolls, New Jersey. I'm like trying to sneak <laughs> that one in there, but 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 that one's it's anthematic. It's got everything you like. It's a catchy tune. Um, and then as you say, you go into Quicksand, and it's great to know that that Chris helped down on that one. But another yeah. you know heavy song, you know uh, just big shredding and uh, drumming. You know, and I said to that one, I said if you guys were ever to tour for that, that's your show opener right there. So talk about yeah. those two tracks. I agree, and that was. I love. I really love that uh, the collaboration there because that's the first time that me and Chris have been, you know, like collaborating since uh, probably Circle to Circle. You know, like especially the first two records of yeah. my old band Circle to Circle. So that was really cool. Um, we're doing 
Ah, you know, we're still working on stuff now, but that's, uh, you know, we'll have to see how all that rolls out. You can yep. use your imagination, but, yep. Um, yep. but it's really, it's indicative of that. So that was really cool. You know, talking about, let's say your vocal, like, right, you say 30 years into it, a song like Away From The Sun, you know, that one, it's like, wow, that really showcases you yet again there. So hey. I know it's sort of like a cliche statement, but now as a veteran rock and roll metal singer, how is it all these years later getting out there and singing on the road and that kind of thing? How do you kind of maintain, you know, good health around the vocals? Well, you know, there's some elements that you cannot control. You know, we try. Yeah. I mean, I think that TSO is a band that really shows you can take a kind of a, as much science as we know and put a scientific approach to staying safe out there, diving in on winter yeah. tours one year after the complete shutdown of the business and saying, hey, we believe we have confidence in a um, in a way to stay safe out there uh, using masks and all that stuff against COVID uh, particularly. Uh, but there's other things that are out there too that are real tricky. The regular flu stays out there. Uh, so you just try to be smart, you know, um, you know, stay safe as much as you can. Um, and we, I think we showed everybody that that can be done going out in 2021 and, and knowing that, Hey, if, if somebody in one of the bands gets one, gets COVID, it's going to go through the whole thing so fast that you're now millions of dollars in and you've got to shut the whole thing down in two weeks or 10 days yeah. Yeah. So that we got through it without any you know, real issue just by being careful. So you can use that kind of an element and put in, you know, things in place, rules in place, say, hey, you know, have respect for everybody and, you know, take care of yourself. On the vocal side, you know, singing is the most important thing to keep going. Uh, it's like a car, uh, especially the fast cars that are out there, you know, um, you, they want to be run, you know, and I tell everybody the best thing you can do for a singing voice is, is run that, run the car <laughs> don't let it sit too long because when things sit they start leaking and you know all kind of junk and it just you know you got to get it fixed so i'm constantly singing you know and i think that's important now that i'm getting up there you know with you know i'm not 20 or 30 or even 40 i'm in my 50s now so yep. i gotta continually keep it going stay in shape you know constantly you know hitting the gym and whatnot i you know don't smoke. I mean, I never smoke cigarettes, which helps because that's a real big killer of a, yeah. a lot of things vocally. But um, and drinking cut way back. I mean, just trying to be smart with, you know, uh, it's your body. You got to remember with singing, your body is your instrument. So I think that you if you remember that first and foremost, then that that guides you in the right direction. It's not like you can, you know, you don't want to have a guitar and go, hey, I just bought this new Les Paul for like seventeen hundred. I'm I don't really want to get a case for it. I think I'll just carry it out in this snowstorm and just see what happens. <laughs> people aren't doing analogy. that. So yep. it's the same thing with people, especially if your body's your but you don't want to do that either. You want to, you know, you want to go out if it's real cold. You want to, you know, protect everything. So yep. uh, just common sense, you know, just yeah. trying to, you know, keep it going and, you know, don't destroy it by any means and don't be too hard on it. Don't get dehydrated. That's where the alcohol component comes in. People drink it. You get so dehydrated, it will take you a week to get right back up. It's not like you can just drink water that day and be set. The water you drink today is affecting tomorrow and yep. it's affecting 48 hours from now. So you have to, so you got to get ahead of everything, you know, and that's basically how we do it. Yep. You know, that's, 
it's uh it's funny zach i'm also in my 50 now and 50s now and it, it's funny you do you it's more about maintenance of your health than anything but uh that's it's great to hear you and we'll talk a little bit about the tso performances in a little while but i want to finish off our segment on the new album so yeah um a couple last songs to talk about these are the heavy ones afterburn uh one last reflection reflection and bulletproof it was funny my eight-year-old daughter my youngest child came home from school the other day and I work from home and I was spinning the album as I'm working. And she walks up to my office at home and she says, what is this song, dad? And this was after birth. This is crazy. I said, well, describe crazy. I don't know. It's just crazy. <laughs> and that's, so that was her, her assessment of Afterburn. But it's always cool to get it through the eyes of an eight-year-old. So uh, but, I love yeah. that. I love hearing that, I, that I, it was something so wild to the eight-year-old mind that it just had to be it's simply crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, she couldn't describe anything about it, but it was just crazy. But she knows the kind of music I listen to. But uh, yeah, I love all the guitar playing. I mean, this must showcase uh, the guitar playing of Aldo on these songs. But yeah, he's yeah, a monster. These are great tracks. So maybe to talk a little bit about him, his playing, and, and these songs. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. A great, great player. And you know, he's got influence from sabotage too because he's a good bit younger than me I'd probably say about maybe at 15 or so years younger he when he came to me you know at first he said hey I'm a big fan of of sabotage and stuff and it's been a real inspiration for me you know as a guitar player he was telling me and I was like all right awesome so he gets inspiration from even like Chris Oliva um it you know and 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 the stuff like that so you know, it could be everything. He likes old school stuff, Randy Rose, Eddie Van Halen and stuff. So, you know, when you grow up like that and you 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 internalize that, it comes out in your playing. So he's do, he does an amazing job um, and he's got some really cool riffs. So uh, you're exactly right. That really drives those songs. Uh, um, also, you know, you talk about like Away From The Sun. That's interesting, too, because we said, hey, why don't we do something different? We got Western music, which is driven by all of something like six or eight scales, uh, which are, you know, which is everything we've ever heard growing up in the Western hemisphere, let's say, you know, and you would think about it, you would think it'd be more scales than that, but it's really not. There's, there's like 360 something scales in the world that come, that we call exotic scales that are coming from all different every areas of the world. So away from the sun has an Egyptian scale as it's as its root sort of and you know it does sound middle eastern because that we're using that scale there's a reason for it it's not a we- regular western scale that you that you would hear in you know regular music that we grew up with like classical even the classical music uh Bach, beethoven brahms you you know that's all still involved in the smaller amount of scales i was telling you about because it's western um yep. but there's so much to learn as far as other you know um scales from other parts of the world the way they put notes together and the um and the and the the scales they build to make their music is different so we said hey let's do something with with an exotic scale so that's where away from the sun kind of came from which is different of course it's about the archon landing in the middle of egypt looking at the pyramid and gaining trying to figure out a few things of how to help humanity and he's gaining power by probably the ability to watch one of the pharaohs in their ascension into the heavens and their journey, which is a, an arduous journey. If you read anything about all that, you know, Egyptology, yeah. they put all that stuff in there, you know, you know, in the, in the death chamber there 
because he's going to need every tool they put in there to get through this arduous journey into the heavens. So yeah. he's kind of sitting there finding out what he can gain from that in that particular song. So yes, the setting does sound like that for a reason. I just wanted to touch on that yeah. because there's a good reason for it. The scale came from there, okay? And yeah. then, but yeah, um, After Burr, we got a new video for that out um, that just came out. So everybody can check that out too, as, as well as the Fortress video. That was the first one. And then Afterburn came out a few weeks ago. Um, I love that song. I, you know, I think that it's like, I don't know. It just reminds me of something when you talked about a little bit of maybe a little sabotage influence that you get here or there. I think that one has a little bit yep. in the chorus. I don't know that when I came out, came up with that melody, I was like, man, you know, you, you don't really know exactly where it comes from, but it's probably going to come from somewhere in your history. You know that yep. much. So I think that kind of brought a little bit of that savage stuff in there um and and like you said bulletproof is just insane it's crazy any eight-year-old will tell you that uh i love that great story best story i've heard this week <laughs> thank you Walt. that was amazing well, well there you um, go I'll, I'll have to spin the album again for her in the car and see what other ones she picks up maybe i'll try lake of fire we'll see that's that one right next. and that one with the piano riff that starts out i think that it'll take her on a journey you know what i mean and yeah. shattered um a little bit slower metal beat, uh, yeah. song 10, really cool to set up the end of the, you know, record. So I think it's laid out pretty good. I, you know, I, I'm getting such good feedback from it. I'm so happy because it seems yeah. like everybody from every angle, you know, the, of as far as melodic, you know, heavy rock, metal, whatever you want to call it, hard rock is, 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 is getting touched by at least something on the record. Absolutely. No, it's it's a gem. I, I wish you the best of luck with the album. Thank you. Uh, we want to we go a little bit back in history now, but a little bit on the new album. The release date is uh, April, right? April for this one? Yeah, April 14, I believe. Okay, that's great. Well, that's great. Well, best of luck on that one. Thank you. Uh, any touring plans for that, or is this more of like, you know, more of just a studio project and that kind of thing? It's more studio right now, but you never know. I mean, if once it hits... That's when we're really going to find out, you know, who's interested and see who's calling as far as if, if any festivals and stuff like that. Yeah, I have to come over there and it is an international act. So, you know, we have to be careful with budgeting and stuff like that and make sure it makes sense. We're hoping to. We had two shows. Our first two shows as a band was on the uh, 70,000 Tons of Metal Cruise in 2020. And we played... Basically, those guys and every band that played on that ship, they didn't realize that they were some of the last bands to play before the world got shut down 10 days later. So it was weird, but it was cool, and we had some good slots. We had the main stage and a, and a pool stage where a lot of people, uh, it was pretty cold, uh, it, it, you know, even though it was going from uh, Florida to Cancun. But uh, So the outdoor stage was interesting with the wind and everything, but... We had it was two great shows, so we know that we're good to go for live. And you know, we even put a couple of sabotage songs in there just for you know to sauce things up a yeah. little bit. And then we put a circle to circle in there, so it turned out to be quite a lot of good stuff. Um, but now with two albums, we have a lot more material, so I'm hoping that we can get together yeah. and play over there. It's going to be most likely more or less in Europe more than yeah. America, you know, being the, the, the you know you know, 90% of the bands located in Italy, in the, in the Naples area. So 
Uh, well, we're hoping for the best on that. We'll see. That's that's good. Yeah, keep keep that passport uh, active, you know, because that's yeah, where all is. the activity is. I got a new. I just got a new one. Um, we uh we had late. Todd Kearns on uh, a couple months ago from uh, Heroes and Monsters, and he was saying the same thing. He was planning a tour. I think it was last month in February, but all the dates were over in Italy. So, yes. uh, hey Zach, just out of curiosity for those sets, which sabotage songs were you doing on that cruise? Oh, I think we did Edge of Thorns, uh, and we even went back and did a surprise of Power of the Night. Oh, awesome! Which is a John Oliva song. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't care if I sing his songs and vice versa. How is his health, by the way? I mean, I always, he kind of dropped off the face of the earth. I know he had an unfortunate incident with the law and uh, maybe a stroke prior to that. I don't know. You hear all these things, but how is, how is he? Doing good. Um, you know, he, he's doing real good. I talk to him quite often and, you know, we're working a lot uh, right now and, you know, working on music even, you know, so just in case something you know, we have a few things that we, you know, little few hurdles with sabotage, but stuff beyond our control. But what we're going to we're working as if not, I mean, which should be good news and, you know, and should make some people happy out there <laughs> as far as that's concerned, because that's what I was alluding to earlier with working with Chris. Um, so it's good. It's good. You know, he's doing better and better all the time, you know, and I, I'm, I'm super proud of him, but he's doing great now. He's even talking about going out and playing, you know, shows. So that's good. Um, so we're just, you know, going to keep trudging forward on that. That's that's awesome to hear. I know you can't yep. allude to too much, but I think you're giving us enough breadcrumbs. We see where this is going. Yep. And that's always the million-dollar question. Are we ever going to see the band again? I mean, 2015 Vakken Festival yep. was the last performance as a band, but you guys are busy. I mean, hey, listen, you know, we're yep. all going to be waiting out there for you, Zach, regardless, you know? And I, you know so, what? Uh, and I can't thank everybody enough. I mean, we got the most patient fans in the world and the 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 demand is it's like higher than ever we get it you know that's why we're at work we you're right 2015 we came together we we took uh tso and sabotage at the same time over there to Vakken, uh one of the largest open air festivals in europe for heavy music now we were the first band to play both stages at the same time in the 20 it was 26 years old at that point and in the 26-year history, we were the first band to play both stages. So, and it was in front of 90,000 people. You know, and it even rained a little bit. It doesn't matter. Those people yeah. were swimming five feet of water to see it. And it, we also got some good video and had several big production couples video. So, you know, I'm, you know, there still could be a, a high chance you could see the DVDs on that. Um, it's great, and it needs a uh, very little you know, tweaking or whatever yeah. to, to get out there. It was recorded immaculately. It was, it was amazing. We The plan was to come together after that, get the reunion, and, and play, you know, places that increase it year by year, maybe doing festivals in Europe or even over here in the States and playing. And then Paul O'Neill passed away, our producer, and that was tough. And, you know, really that made it where the impetus was you know, focusing on TSO and keeping everything rolling uh, after his passing, which has been tough, but it's it's a testament to everybody involved. All 32 band members, the management, the crew, everybody has done a brilliant job doing what they, you know, and we always have this saying, hashtag, what would Paul do if we ever run into an issue? 
So that's kept us focused. So everybody's doing a great job. People don't realize how much hard work it took for every single person. Uh, band, crew, management, everybody um, to to really keep it rolling. And we not only kept it going in the right direction, we even, you know, we're putting upgrades in there. Yeah. Um, so, but we had to get confident that we could do it because when you lose your boss, who's got his hands in everything and he has been a genius guy running every single detail the entire time, even for Sabotage, since he came on board yeah. uh, for Hall the Mountain King album and and all to the till 2017 it's you know you wonder wow when you got somebody with their hands on everything like that can we really be able to take the the rain you know take the ship and, and steer this thing knowing that with an organization like that you know you don't like like every big ship you don't just turn it on a dime you know we need a, like eight nautical miles to turn this thing okay <laughs> start the process well it's it's an amazing i mean i i didn't catch the tour this year but i, I with that previous two tours but the amazing musicians that come through, not just you guys named guys, right? You have Russell and you have Jeff and Johnny and everybody out there, but you get, you know, some of the the female singers that are cutting their teeth now. But, yeah. you know, for you personally, Zach, I mean, me being a sabotage guru, you know, you trekking out and doing Old City Bar, man, goosebumps. You're Not only uh, do you have to sing it, but you have to act it out. Yes. And then you got, you know, then you're sprinkling in songs like Chance at one tour, Welcome. You open the show with Welcome yeah. up on the risers. Yeah. You know, probably uh, me and four other people knew the song, but I'm going yeah. fucking crazy <laughs> with the metal whore. And then the other tour, you had Handful of Rain. So it, you yeah. know, Chris's guitar coming up on the on the screen. Yes. Like from Streets, like fucking A, man. Like, you know, there's the whole thing coming together. Yeah, and, and we're going to continue to do that, and we got more work to do. But, uh, you know, what about Paul? That, as far as the sabotage piece, that's been with so much energy having to go into keeping, you know, keeping the, you know, the TSO ship going, which is huge, you know, and that's carrying things like sabotage and, and where we're working right now and things like that. It got us off track for sure, uh, uh, obviously. But, the cool thing was in the last two months, I would say of last year, right before the TSO tour and definitely during, we were meeting, um, having a lot of good meetings as sabotage, you know, especially in the rehearsals phase of the tour. And uh, it was great to see that we got more work done in the last two months of 22 than we did in the whole path of, of you know, 2017 reeling from Paul's situation to till now. So that's a lot, you know, to say that many years that's and to get that much work done, that's positive. And that's what I'll leave it with, because, I mean, I was so happy to do, you know, to be involved in that. So the way I look at it is kind of like, look, the whole thing started from sabotage, no matter what. We yeah. we discovered TSO and we figured out a niche that was Paul O'Neill uh, mainly. And then we were able to take it and it got really huge in America. Under the Christmas band. TSO, yeah, but it started from sabotage. So now my uh, vision, personally, is to say, hey, it went from one band, then it kind of became another, and it kind of shrouded the sabotage thing for a while. But now the time is a coming to get that separation again and go one to one to two, um, and have it be you know the two different entities. We have it now. We've are we've got it. Everything's, um, 
you know, it's been so many years and I, it, you know, it's, it, it's been long enough to where we can get the, both those ships to sail. I know the TSO ship is like a, a giant cruise liner, the newest yep. one from maybe Disney cruises or something, but sabotage is still that ship that you see on the front of the uh, wake of Magellan album battling the seas. And we're going to battle the seas and come out victorious. So we're still a smaller ship. It maybe looked like the Mayflower at times. However, we still have some major diesel engines that we installed. So oh, we got to get the thing rocking. Listen, I, I just came up with an idea while you were talking. I think you guys go out on the road as Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You bring the best of the musicians and the singers, and you do a sabotage set list. Wow. Well, see, now, see, that excites me because that's the kind of stuff I think about from time to time. And, you know, some of the stuff, we would need some additional resources for some of the sabotage songs, you know, that have all the counterpoint vocals, the cannons and and everything, if you will. But it, it, you know what I'm saying? That we did, but it would be even bigger if we had that help, if we had the, the, the you know, the other, you know, like eight or 10 singers back there, you know, it's a, um, yeah. there's a lot that can be done. I mean, you're thinking like me, so... You know who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit. I'd lo- I'd love to see stuff like that. I mean, I remember that tour. I don't. I can't remember the female vocalist, but she uh, sang uh, uh, a little too far, and that was beautiful. And um, I mean, I've I've heard believe on a couple of tours where you weren't singing, somebody else was. But you know, the 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 material of sabotage just fits right in perfectly, no matter who's performing it, as long as they're a quality musician and singer. Yeah, because the song is there, and the me, you know, the emotion and the meaning and everything like that. Uh, is right there. So you're right. People might not really know of that audience. They might not know that it's a sabotage song that came out, you know, on streets like that one. Yep. Um. So you know, but but the song is there. So they're like, wow, that's cool, and that's what matters, you know, because yep. our our longtime fans that are stuck with us through all this, um, they know where it came from, and that's yep. what's the main thing that's important to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, Zach, before we let you go, I got to have a couple little points where we started the conversation going back to those early sabotage days, you know, the Birchill nightclub, New York, New Jersey, <laughs> Asbury Park. For me personally, the first time I saw you was uh, it was September 1993 at a place called the Fast Lane in Asbury. You had just joined the band and you just got out on the road. Yeah. And you were promoting uh, the Edge of Thorns album, one of my favorites. I love so many tracks on that. The title track, Conversation Piece, He Carves a Stone, yeah. Scraggy's Tomb. I mean, fucking killer. But it, it was just a shame that you guys, I think, were ready to go out on the road with Vince Neil after that, which was when the fatal car crash happened. So um, just to set the record straight, did, I think John had stepped away from the band. How did you get into the band? And was it true that John kind of mentored you? And and what was the highs and lows for you? That had to be a really emotional period for you. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, I got started. I was playing with Jeff Plate in a band called Wicked Witch in Boston, Boston area, and we were doing a bunch of shows in New England and stuff. But, and um, we and we we heard that John was going to take a step back. He did. He's wanted to, he got tired of the road. He wanted to be in producing role for a little while, but he didn't want to have the band stop, you know? So he talked to Chris about it. Chris was like, okay, that's fine. Um, we'll get somebody, um, and we'll do a careful choice and figure out who, you know, what fits. Um, they, you know, they got a ton of people auditioning for the slot. Um, 
as I was told later, many, many of the auditions that came in, it would be tapes mostly back then. They still had something called cassette tapes. But, and this was in 92, so it would seem like it wasn't that long ago, but yep. Uh, so, you know, whatever, the CDs, tapes that came in, a lot of people were trying to sound like John, you know, trying to really sound like Oliva. And that wasn't exactly what they were looking for. And that was uh, that was a lucky point for me. Uh, you got to be lucky sometimes. You got to have some talent, but you also need some luck. So I had luck, you know, definitely had the luck, luckily, uh, component on my side, especially because Chris Oliva's wife, Dawn, at the time, she was kind of listening to the stuff that came in along with Chris at their house um, in Florida. And, and she just, for some reason, she gravitated toward my demo, which came from Wicked Witch Band. So she was like, this is the one right here. And uh, he would go, all right, but I got like 70 more to listen to, so let's be patient. So she, you know, and it turned out that we found out pretty definitively later that Dawn was a big proponent for my uh, component there, my tape. So yeah. I was like, wow. I really thanked her a lot for that. I was like, well, I appreciate that. She goes, but I, you know, it, you were the right, it, it fit. I could just tell it had that that thing to it. That you weren't trying to sound like John. It, you, you know, you were doing something different, but we could hear how it could fit into sabotage. So there was a lot of lucky components that happened. Um, you know, and then Paul O'Neill said, he called, I got a call from Paul. And he said, come, can you drive down uh, from Boston to come see me in Queens and let's just sit down in my apartment and, you know, run through some songs and see how you sound in person. So I went down there two times. We'd sit there and play Beatles songs or Bad Company or just about virtually anything. Um, you know, and he would just play the acoustic and say, hey, do you know whatever? And I'll say, yeah, I know it pretty good. Um so we just kind of buzzed through some songs, whether we knew all the lyrics or not wasn't really, you know, if we missed one, it wasn't a big deal or whatever. He knew we were coming off the cuff. Um, he had me to prepare a couple of sabotage songs from Streets, in particular, to, to know Cold. And eventually, I had to know every song on Streets, so that became my audition material, was learning every song on Streets and having it down to the T. Wow. So that's pretty, well, you know, singing John is, is difficult. Uh, he's got an amazing voice all his own. Nobody's going to be that. We know that about, about each other. You know, but together, we have this force here, you know, that's amazing. So, you know, I looked at that as a huge challenge, which it is. It's very challenging vocally to learn that whole album. So I did, I gave it everything I had, got all the lyrics down, had it down cold. He would just say, okay, you know, tonight he grins again. You know, pick a song. Okay, let's go. So he was pretty happy with that. We mostly went over that record on the second meeting. And then he's like, okay, I think this is going to work. So I remember just going, oh man, I don't even know what it was like. I just felt like it was scared. <laughs> Like, I was just like, oh, man, what have I got myself into? This is what I wanted, but now that it's there, I was, like, feeling like I just shot up myself off to Saturn or something like that. Um, so 
he said, look, go to, we're going to go to Tampa and you can stay. We got a hotel for a few weeks. And after that, you figure out a place to live and everything. I wound up moving in with, with uh, Chris. Oh, wow. Chris said, here, just, we got this house. We got this extra room, whatever. You can just stay with us because we got to write the rest of this record. I said, that sounds great to me. We were, I was having the time of my life, you know, living with those guys. Shoot, I lived with Chris for about four or five months before I even got my own place. But that was great because that was a pivotal time working on the Edge of Thorns, working on the right, you know, finish up the writing for Edge of Thorns. Then that came out like April 93. Yep. So we had the whole, I got there in September of 92 to Tampa. So we had all that time to work. We got a huge a warehouse to rehearse in. So shortly after I got there, we were already in the warehouse. John was coming up with, I remember when he came up with that Edge of Thorns riff, I, I know exactly where it was. I, I could picture the entire scene. You never forget that, you know, coming up with the, and he goes, wait, is this Exorcist? And I was like, no, it's not really. It's a little bit like it, but not really. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's clear, you know, it's clear. Um, It's not too close. It's really amazing. I said, it's like brilliant. You know, if people think it's Exodus from the first of the other, then good for them. You know, so, because it is kind of scary. And then the where it goes is wild. So, and I remember Paul O'Neill going, yeah, 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 yeah. We're opening with that. That's the opening room. Yep. And then we had two distinctly different vocal melodies for the song at one point. We, rather than the one you hear, you know, you know, an offering of reason. Instead of that one, we had a completely different one. And then, then it was like, I was like, why did you go and write a completely different one? Well, we got to make sure, you know, we got to peak in different places. He loves the peaking. So I'm like, oh my God. So he's like, he brought me in. He goes, we got to make a decision, me and you, which one's it going to be? And I'm like, I wow. like the first one. See, I, you know, and the one we hear today, you know, the one that went on the album, you know, that's the one I said, that's it. Let's don't fool around. You know what I mean? The other one, there was just something about it. It was a little bit stiff. I can't remember exactly what it was, but. Little things like that, um, and that that's really how I came aboard. And then I had to change my vocal style because I was mostly real clean coming on, you know, and not really having a lot of experience. So, you know, I had a good range, but I was really clean. I didn't really have that other, like, rough element like John. So I needed, so I had to have this, what we call the, it's kind of like a, I think he called it the afterburner, believe it or not, and even though, yeah. We got that song called that on the yeah. show. But he was like, you got to kick in the afterburn. You got to kick in overdrive or whatever it was for these choruses. You know, you can be all nice and sweet on the, you know, you know, some of the verses, but for some of these choruses for all these songs, you're going to have to. So then I was like, oh, but I was able to quickly adapt just from the experience I had because I've been singing since I was nine. I mean, drums is my first instrument. So the minute I started playing drums, I had to sing because the first bands I was in was like, we can't find a singer better than you so you're gonna have to sing so i was singing everything from behind the kit so i had a lot of years but i just didn't have a lot of years experience at that point at at, at front man you know i'd always been the yeah. drummer who sings so but i just you know having the years of experience helped me to get you know say hey, all right well i'm going to change this tone and develop a, a you know at least a um you know a two-dimensional voice which is what i had for the Edge of Thorns album, I look back, you know, now, and of course, you're going to look back, you know, even some years later, not even 30 years later, you're going to go, oh, man, I could have done that better. Yeah, sure, you grow over the years, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to look back on early records and say, oh, man, I mean, I'm cringing. 
uh, you know, I did that a little bit back when I was younger, but it really didn't make much sense. So I, you know, it's, it has magic. So let's just leave it at that. You know, I'm not going to go back and go, uh, uh, obviously you're going to do some things better. I think nowadays I have more like a four dimensional voice. So, you know, for example, rather than two dimensional. So there has been, you know, all these elements added. And like you said earlier, the acting and stuff like that for TSO, that's a, that's an element that I didn't have any, you know, would have had nothing to do with back then. But now acting has a lot to do with TSO and telling the stories and the songs. It's acting is a huge component. So that's something that, you know, I developed, you know, coming into, you know, whatever, eight or nine years ago, coming into, you know, TSO that I had to develop more too. So there's always these little things you have to continue developing to grow. I don't want to sit and get stagnant and, you know, depend yep. on my past catalog. You know, is yep. it possible? Maybe, you know, oh, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's me. But I don't really do that. That's why I do the Archangel albums because I want to continue to grow, you know, and I want to work with people. And that's why I do side projects. It's just to learn something. I don't, you know, I think as long as you're open and willing to learn vocally, you'll get, you'll get better and better. If you don't care anymore, you'll be all right, but you're not going to grow and, and, you know, you may become stagnant. So that's a fear of mine. I don't want to stop. You know, I don't want to sit, you know, get sit still, you know, I want to keep developing. So Archangel is very important for that. Um, and you know, that's just what I'm doing now in my, in the, you know, this, in my, you know, later age. Because you have to, you know, like we said, you got to keep working the muscle, work the system, and keep on doing as good as you can. I'm, I'm just trying to be happy. Like, I want to do stuff that makes me happy. If there comes a day where I'm like, this sucks, then I'm not going to do it anymore. Everybody knows that about me. I, You know, if something sucks or I get bored, it's like, oh, where did he go? Oh, no, he's in the Sahara. <laughs> he's on a wild trip messing with large animals that he should not be around no but you know what i'm saying so yeah. I, I just want you know this all this stuff is making me is making me really happy and i'm having a good time you know and as long as i'm going to be having a good time that's what it's all about now in this in this uh in this day and time well that's awesome zach uh, zach you know what i could sit here for four hours with you maybe i need to come up take a plane down to carolina and sit down because I had a yeah. thousand other questions around oh, Hannibal Rain and Dead Winter Dead and Wake of Magellan, but we'll get that back for another time. But I yeah, think, uh, yeah, I love it. I really do. Great talking to you. To, you know, yeah. the que- you you know a lot, man. I mean, yeah. don't ever think you don't have the 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 uh, the knowledge because everything you said is dead on accurate today. So you, well, I'll that- give you, you know, just so you know, I don't have really much to add to it except I can tell you a story tidbit or two. Um, but yeah. You, well, you're I mean, we'd all, love you're to have you back right on on, uh, on the show sometime, and, and we'll pick the band apart, and we'll go through lots of other questions. But I wanted to leave it on a high note because you are here to talk about your t- current project. So all I could do is say, best of luck with this. Thank you for your Thank time you. today. It was extremely insightful, and um, we look forward to communicating with you again down the line. So thanks so much, and uh, never forget the Birchill. Never forget the Birchill. Oh, I won't, man. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, man. But you talk about that. We filmed a video down there. Um, yeah, one child from Dead Winter Dead. We went right back there, played a show again, and that was about the time we filmed that video at night. We had to have the Birch Hill Fire Department out there because Paul O'Neill decided to build a giant fire that was seen for miles uh, in the state park. That's amazing. So, that 
That's amazing. I have a, uh, there's actually a, a, a place. I'll see if I can get you one is, uh, you can get old def- defunct, uh, clubs, like the logos on a t-shirt. I'll see if I can get one and I'll reach oh, out to you. Man, on that. I would love that. Yeah. That, that has a lot more, um, you know, distinct, um, you know, place in history than you even know. Or a sabotage history. It's gone. The place is uh it's a senior citizen. That's home, what I every heard. time every time we drive by it, it's like, you know, the routine that I had going in my early twenties was drove down from North Jersey, you stopped at the local titty bar, you got a little banged up, then you went down, you went to the Birch Hill, the headliner went on somewhere around midnight, then you yes. swung the car around, either you hit White Castle or the diner on the way home, and that was the That's ritual, right. home at four. Well, so, hey, the fact that it's the old folks home now is is important because that will be my next stop. Zach retires at the Birch Hill Nightclub <laughs> Senior Citizen Center. Awesome. I love it. Thanks, man. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. It was a blast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Well, I appreciate it. All right, Zach. My pleasure. We'll speak again, brother. Rock on, man. Best of uh, luck. Thank you so much, man. I'll see you later, Well, Cheers, man. Bye. See you. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.